The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top top five movies. Come on. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke, and with me this week is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And Tom E. Brown is here, uh, director of Pushing Dead. How's it going, Tom? Hey there. Hey there, Jonathan. Hey there, Corey. Thanks for having me on. Thank you. Now, uh, Tom, I, we were talking about um, your movie before we started recording, but I want to get into that right away. So um, what is Pushing Dead for uh, listeners who haven't heard of the movie? Pushing Dead is an AIDS comedy. Yes, I oh. know what you're thinking. <laughs> Another AIDS comedy. Uh, I I have to... <laughs> Sometimes I have to be cautious, like, and sometimes actually our our materials will offend a, a select group of people when they see an AIDS comedy because that's on our poster. Um, it is. If you know my story, then it, then you're like, okay, that guy can get away with it because when I was um, 18 years old, I got a call from the family doctor, and he told me I was positive, and he told me that uh, maybe I had three months maybe three years three years was best case scenario and i was i was 18 i was uh you know we were talking about you uh uh, jonathan teaching high schoolers so i was just a kid like that you know i and and to uh to get that phone call from someone who had obviously this was the first time that they had ever made a phone call like this it's Mm -hmm. i imagine it's what uh similar to the phone call that grieving people get from trump when you know somebody it's like it was one of those (laughs) i just i'm just trying to be topical here yes no Uh, (laughs) perfect (laughs) but uh but you know it was it was that sort of thing it was a very uh it it was a very kind of cold uh unfortunate uh phone call and it 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 didn't send me into the tailspin that i expected it would but um uh, because the human psyche adapts really quickly, and I'm kind of rambling and derailing our conversation. But anyway, that's no. the story. That's kind of the genesis of the story. Is I wanted to, um, after 32 years of uh, living with this 30, it'll be 33 years uh, next wow. month. I'm having my little AIDS anniversary, mm. uh, and uh, and so I wanted to I wanted to make a movie not about my journey, but a movie about uh, just like a little snippet from my uh, HIV survival guide. So just my little take on what I do to kind of cope with it. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's also a very different, it's a, it's a very different experience than you would imagine. You would, when I first uh, thought about it, when, when AIDS was a new thing, you know, and this was the, the mid eighties when I tested positive, it was a new thing. And, I remember thinking like, oh, if I got AIDS, I would, I'd travel and I'd do all this, you know, stuff. And then as soon as I got tested and was positive, I was like, well, why would I, I don't even like to travel. Why would I travel? <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, and then it just becomes uh, about your work, like the psyche adjusts and it just becomes like, then all of a sudden the bad news, like of 
them running out of the your favorite kind of muffin like that becomes like worse than having HIV or AIDS. But I got an I got an AIDS diagnosis like way back, you know, at the beginning. So I've had technically I've had AIDS, not HIV, but um, actually an AIDS diagnosis from from way back. So and I've never had any uh, physical uh, issues at all. So that was the movie that I wanted to make. I wanted to make a movie about living and, um, uh, you know, not a movie about uh, physical, but a movie about psychological. Uh, see, before we started the recording, I told you once the tea kicked in, I yeah. was going <laughs> to <so, laughs> kicking in, man. <laughs> well, no, we'll I mean, I, I'm so interested in hearing about it because I, I did see um, when I was at the film festival, uh, the Florida Film Festival last year, I saw this poster that said exactly what you said, an AIDS comedy. And I was like, well, how can I not watch that? You know, like that is <laughs> such a compelling uh, tagline for a film because I've never, I don't think I've ever seen that tagline before on anything. So I'm like, I have to, and then the cast uh, pulled me in on top of it. Cause I'm like, well, let me look what this is. And you have James Roday, Robin Weigert, uh, Danny Glover and I, Robin Weigert. And I hope I'm saying her name right. I'm probably not. I have a, yes. Oh, I, oh, good. Yay for me. Um, I have a bad habit of mispronouncing her <laughs> last happens. names. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, she, she was such a standout to me in that film. I was so impressed with her. Um, there's so many scenes, like when she's driving into the hospital, that just had me laughing so hard, and uh, it stuck with me. I've seen, I've only got to see it once, and it's almost been a year since I saw it, and I still remember distinctive scenes from this film. So, you know, I, I am very excited to have you on on the podcast because of oh. that. And, um, you know, I like I want people to know about this movie. So I, as, as much as I can do to uh, help champion it, I'm going to. Um, and with that, how can people currently see or will in the near future be able to see Pushing Dead? Uh, it, it is coming out uh, any I think when when this podcast goes out, we will be uh, kicking off a theatrical, a small theatrical run and. Uh, the uh, at the moment I know of a few that I can mention there we have uh, we're going to be sure. in Seattle we're going to be in the Bay Area and um, we're just going to be popping up at at theaters um, before VOD happens which is scheduled to happen next month and I don't know all the details of the VOD but I do know mm -hmm. that pretty pretty much everybody in North America and um, Canada, well, but Canada is in North America. And <laughs> just in case you want, I just wanted to tell you that. Just we need geography you. lessons here. I'm guessing that it's not going to be in Idaho from your comments earlier. Uh, oh, well, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, it will be, I imagine it will be streaming uh, in Idaho. If you guys, are you guys have that? We don't that, have like, Wi-Fi or any kind of streaming capabilities, <laughs> oh, so. Oh, no. <laughs> I'm kidding. Uh, it's that I'm potato Wi-Fi, right? Like so much hate mail. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, it's all through potatoes. I don't know why you have this hatred of Idaho. I love the place. It definitely Correct. sounded like it. Yes. Now hold. Uh, you know. <laughs> we're gonna start a new Corey. Why does Corey hashtag? Why does Corey hate Idaho so much? That's because, a really long hashtag. Yeah. I don't know if it's gonna catch on. I'm not really good at the hashtags. It's okay. <laughs> Neither's Idaho apparently, so nope. it all balances out. Uh, <laughs> but um, I don't think they have hashtags there yet. I'm, we don't. I'm not sure, but yeah, <laughs> they have hash browns in large supply. Yes, but that was a really dad joke. I apologize. <laughs> it was a dad joke. I, I most of my jokes are dad jokes. You know, when you have a 13 year old, that's just what happens. It's like the default. Um, 
<laughs> and when you're a teacher, you know, you, I can't you can't, can't go blue at work, so I got to keep the dad jokes going. So, <laughs> um, so have you've been uh, showing the film now for a while, right? Yeah. So we had like a a, a, a nice long festival run maybe a little too too long we picked up a bunch of uh nice awards for some for the actors which is super cool and in florida i should go back to what you were saying about robin because robin is such a wonderful human being robin weigert and Mm -hmm. um she i knew her from from deadwood and uh calamity jane on deadwood and I mm-hmm. we had other we had another actor in in that position uh, who couldn't do it because of a TV show and then I just thought let me reach out to Robin because uh, one uh, she I, I was just blown away by Calamity Jane in Deadwood I just I, I, you know and I was familiar with some of her other work too but she's just the sweetest I just wanted to say she's one of the sweetest uh, people and and I'm so happy. You know, if the movie, uh, if the movie had failed and and uh, and wasn't well received, I would think like, well, at least I made my friend, you know, Robin Weigert because mm. she just she's such a great person. So That's I'm glad awesome. you enjoyed her performance, and I was super excited when the Florida Film Festival uh, gave her an award. Uh, that was that was super cool because uh, yeah. a lot of the a lot of the film festivals don't give awards for acting, and that is kind of one of the coolest things as a director if you can come back with an award for one of your actors oh yeah um, that that, that's a pretty amazing feeling yeah i I, man i wouldn't even think about that that is an interesting perspective um you know having not been a director or or whatnot um you know we watch the award show in fact the oscars are coming up this weekend uh you know when we're recording this and um i never think about like the I think about the directors wanting to win the award for themselves, but never you want your actors to win. I mean, you cast these people, you've you've chosen them, so them getting honored is a big deal uh, for you. It's you know, that's a really interesting perspective to hear. Yeah, it's 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 definitely the the for me personally, it's it's one of the most gratifying awards. Like you can you you can get like I we've uh, I've received a couple of. Um, awards that are best director from a couple of uh film festivals and when you get that you're like well i don't even know if like they they really can't judge you as a director because so much of what you do as a director is is behind the scenes really mm-hmm. i mean you're you're they can judge you as a writer and um it, it just it's a complicated thing to kind of pick best director because yeah there's you know, it's 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 a it's just such a a vague kind of job that it requires so much. You know, working with the actors, working with uh, your you know your DP and your crew, and um, so best director. I wish more film festivals would would have best best actor or more actor awards. Um, uh, but I was super excited that they kind of even added a jury award for her. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, was very happy to to hand deliver it uh, to her. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, are you traveling to all the festivals that your the film plays, or you just pick and choose? Uh, we screened at a crazy number of film festivals. So yeah. I did as ma- I did as many as I was able, mm. and so um, I was uh, I was uh, you know 
super excited that we played at the Austin Film Festival because it's a big writers uh, festival. And, oh, yeah. Um, it's, one of my producers is a is uh, Richard Legravene. Some people might be familiar with his name. He is a big writer and a director, and he wrote The Fisher King and uh, a ton of a ton of stuff. He's incredibly prolific, but he he uh, was one of my producers uh, on this for a long time, and um, I put him in. Since you've seen the movie, you might remember the mugger, and so Richard played the mugger. Oh, okay, and. And Austin is one of his favorite uh, film festivals because it's a writer's festival. And so, uh, so you know, when film festivals like that popped up, I, I jumped on the road and went to as many as I possibly could. We mm-hmm. did, I think when we kind of kicked things off, um, uh, we kind of kicked things off in October and we did about 15 film festivals just in just that month. Oh, Ooh. man. Yeah. So... So I had to split my time, and then my producers did a, did some, I did some, and uh, it was fun. But it was, but we were on the we were on the road with it for a while, and we just we just ended, and um, in the Dominican Republic. Oh, jeez. <laughs> um, at at uh, I wasn't there, but um, uh, and and we even picked up a little award there. So it was nice to end That's with awesome. a film festival. <laughs> yeah, so That's it was exciting. very nice. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you had said you're not really a big fan of traveling. It's, it sounds like for this, that's been a big part of the, the the job, I guess, right? Like is doing a lot of traveling and moving around everywhere. Has it gotten yeah. better? Well, part of the reason I do it is uh, film festivals, uh, free beer, just so you know. You usually, <laughs> as a filmmaker, you get the free booze. And if I have a reason to travel, I like to travel. But if I don't, I, mm. I'm not. I don't like to vacation. Got it. Got uh, it. But but if I'm but if I'm at a film festival in Hawaii, like that's cool. You know, yeah. I'm happy yeah, to do it sure. as long as I have a reason to be there. Yeah, I, I can relate to that. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big vacationer, but I like going to places with a specific agenda. Like, because I'm not going to just go do the tourist stuff, but. Right. Oh, I will totally tourist it up. <laughs> Show me your wares. Yeah. Um, have you had any like major issues uh, with distribution? Like, I know we're gonna get VOD uh, versions here. Um, has that been like challenging, or have you found it like really, you know, just kind of part of the? It goes with the flow, sort of thing. Well, uh, it's 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 interesting. It's an interesting process. Like the whole process is interesting i would love a situation where i was just the writer director and uh but unfortunately the way you know with a small indie movie the way it typically works is you have to jump in and do a fair amount of uh producing and so uh with this one uh i we kind of re-strategized because uh, this was a Sundance. Uh, this was a Sundance project. It went through the Sundance Institute, and uh, uh, but we weren't we weren't ready in time. Uh, so we uh, so we kind of kicked things off with a with a local film festival that I have a relationship with uh, mm-hmm. here in San Francisco, and it was pretty pretty darn great. It was it premiered at the Castro Theater, which is a giant like fourteen hundred seat theater here in san francisco and uh beautiful beautiful theater uh uh packed house completely sold out and all and my actors were there so that was a really good it was a really nice way to kick it off but 
man. We, um, w- it was completely different from what we had imagined just because we were, we, our project had gotten pushed because uh, basically a long story, but it involves like a, a bigger project at Skywalker Sound where we did our, our mm. sound mix. Um, there, was a, there was a Disney project that took um, some of my team members away. Oh. And, um, and so, uh, so we ended up finishing a little later than we expected. Uh, but so I had to jump in uh, because of um, some, uh, a team change. And mm-hmm. uh, so I had to learn a lot about because uh, I'm I'm primarily I've done a, a bunch of uh, short films that have that have you know done re- reasonably well on the festival circuit and then mm-hmm. uh, done pretty well distribution wise but it's a totally different game the feature film world it's just completely different so uh, so I had to learn a lot I I'm excited to to uh, be more involved as a producer on the next uh, feature that I do uh, uh-huh. just because I just because I've learned so much so uh, so yeah we'd like our, our uh, little distributor a lot uh, and uh, and you know we're excited to get it out there back when I was watching indie films like this uh, films used to get you know when I was when I was um, you know, when I was a little younger and going to like the indie movies and stuff, they used to get theatrical releases, which is kind of part of it. Like that was really the yeah. only way to see it, unless you, uh, you know, went and rented, you know, a VHS tape, <laughs> you know, to see yeah. it. They all got that theatrical release. So now it's becoming less and less part of the distribution plan that yeah. anybody gets theatrical. So I'm happy that we're popping up at screens, you know, here and there before before it does uh, come out on different platforms and it should be fun. It should be fun. I'm going to try to go to, I'm going to go to Seattle and some other places too, when we pop up on screens. Is, uh, is that, I, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off, Tom. I was um, following up with that, that point. Like if, if the movie didn't get to play at screens, would it be like a disappointment to you or not? Like that's a, a big topic right now. Um, I don't know. Mute uh, from Duncan Jones just dropped on Netflix, you know, without getting a theatrical run. And that's becoming a bigger trend now, right? As movies getting picked up by Netflix and Netflix's model doesn't involve usually doing a theatrical run or a very, very small, like two week window just to get Oscar nominations. Um, right. If that, other... if that becomes the norm, sorry, again, um, oh, no, would, that, would that like upset you like to, to not get it into the theaters and just go right to VOD? No, I don't think so. As long I think the the tricky thing is is right now if you uh have a little theatrical run, then you're more likely to get uh reviews mm. uh from some mm. of the lar- larger trades. So that's that's a big deal. For example, um we uh we uh had a New York situation that was a little unfortunate. So um, so the uh, theater closed. <laughs> oh man! So that that that's so we'll see what happens. You know, I'm still I still have my fingers crossed that we'll pop up in New York. But but um, uh, a week run in New York will get you will definitely get you reviews, a lot of reviews, mm-hmm. and that's that's really helpful going into VOD. So, but other than that, uh, it wouldn't it wouldn't really bother me because. Um, one when I when I do 
my sound mix and when I do our color correction, I do it all for a monitor. Like I, I mm-hmm. think of it as like, you know, 90 something percent of people are going to see this thing on a TV. Yeah. And so that's the way I look at it. <laughs> I don't need to, um, nice. you know, see it on the big screen at, at um, when we're, when we're doing our sound mix and stuff like that. It's not as important to me just cause I know, and I, I kind of like that. I, be, I think it's better than when I was seeing indie films in, uh, you know, back when I was younger and seeing them at theaters, you know, you had one opportunity to see them. And now it's, it's, you know, it is really cool. Like you can, you can make a little movie and you can self-distribute it and you can, it can gain yeah. traction. And so I, I prefer, I prefer thing the way things are headed. I think that the, the good stuff will probably come to the surface uh, yeah. usually. So that's what we hope at least. <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I mean, I'm a, I, I like, I don't have a problem watching a movie at home. I am a, th- I love going to the theater though. I've always, that's been like my number one hobby, I guess my whole life is going to the, the movie theater on the weekends or whatever. And right. so I, it saddens me that it does seem like, you know, more and more movies are just coming to Netflix or Amazon without getting the theatrical run. And at the same time though, I'm not like one of those film purists who I want to see it on actual film stock. I don't want digital, pre- you know, presentation. Right, there. right. <laughs> so, but it, it is a big debate. Like Christopher Nolan's come out against Netflix's model and, um, you know, that he makes movies for the big screen. That's where they should be seen. And I don't disagree with his sentiment in his films because he does use the IMAX cameras and he goes big. But I don't know if that's necessary for every story. Um, right. So, makes them more accessible. <laughs> yeah, more yeah. people get to see this. And that's a big deal because, you know, if a story is entertaining, if it's engaging, if people can relate to it, more eyes get get to see it with the VOD model. So I'm I'm all for people seeing great movies and that's my my big thing is you know let's get the the films that are worth give you know watching let's get them in front of people so they can see them and you know like the florida project from last year too another one that um had a very small theatrical run especially where i where we live in florida and right um and it ironically like it's literally filmed 40 minutes away from where <laughs> i live and yet it didn't come to our local theater you know so i've been like advocating that to people and and just um I like that about the the VOD model, so I'm I'm glad it's it's always interesting to hear a filmmaker's perspective on that though. As you know, if you you have a vision, if you want it to be on the big screen, and then that doesn't get to come to fruition, or maybe not in the to the level that you would like it to be, where it's you know wide release, everybody's going to get to see it in the theater. Um, you know, I like to hear that, so I I couldn't help but ask. So yeah, and I think I think in a way, like film festivals are becoming the theatrical for indie mm. uh, films, you know, whether yeah, you like it or not, it's kind of like, it's kind of, if you really want a theatrical, do a long, do a long, uh, you know, if you want to guarantee it, um, you know, think about doing a long festival run, you get, you know, go, go watch your movie. I mean, that's my favorite thing is, is watching, standing in the back of the theater uh, or, you know, sometimes like sitting in a corner with a beer or something. And I, yeah, I, you will, by the end of this, you'll be tired of me talking about drinking, but you know, gets, gets me through the day, gets me through the day. So how dare you judge me? It's legal. Um, not judging. Yeah. No, no way. Um, uh, you don't know what I'm drinking. 
I have a tall glass of moonshine right now, so don't talk oh. about the legality. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I was I was going to say, though, like, um, for example, you know, Idaho, Corey being in Idaho, like, you know, a lot of um, our a lot of our followers and stuff on social media, they're all they're all spread out and they're they're they've they've um, uh, been really wanting to see it because of James Roday, because they're mm-hmm. fans of Psych and yeah. Um, and so you've got a lot of these people in these small towns. So uh, it's it's almost more inclusive if you just have like a, a little theatrical, and then everybody, you know, gets it gets released. You know, it'll get released across the country on the same day. And and uh, I'm excited for you know those James Roday fans to see the movie. And he was amazing. Everybody in 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 the cast was was uh you know people say these things all the time and i don't know if i always believe a director but (laughs) but i guarantee like i had like the really wonderful experience with all of my actors and they all work incredibly they their process is incredibly different from each other Mm. and um uh so that was fun like as a director to figure out uh you know to figure out how they work and who to shoot first and all that stuff was yeah. really fun fun for me because making short films uh it, it, it's just so such a different process and usually i was in the short films and so i didn't have to you know it wasn't uh juggling a bunch of actors and mm-hmm. uh anyway but uh i i uh i don't even know what we're talking about but oh just wanted we're talking to, about this? just one just <laughs> wanted to say just wanted to say that my cast is is lovely and i'm I am. I'm hoping that uh, you know I'll see uh, when these uh, little screenings pop up that I'll I'll get to see uh, some of them again. Mm. Um, and my my plan is that some of them will be involved in future projects that I have brewing oh, right now. So I'm hoping that that'll happen. What was it like to work with Danny Glover and James Roday? Uh, it was a very different experience. You know, working with both with they both had very different processes. Like. Uh, uh, Danny likes to uh, go on set and you know without rehearsal because he likes it to be fresh, and I I like that too. I I think it's kind of fun uh, if you are surprised by something like in the moment if you haven't rehearsed it or you've rehearsed it very little. And James <laughs> definitely likes to rehearse a little bit, but uh, James is like this workhorse. Like he's like this comedy workhorse, and you. Mm-hmm. I could save him for last, and I knew if I had four actors in a scene and I had to do five takes each, that by the end, if I shot James last, he'd still be, you know, ready to go. And mm-hmm. he'd, he, he, and James also, he's a director, so uh, that made it even easier to work with uh, him because he thinks a little bit like a director. So if he makes an error with. Um, like handling for example there's a lot of like pill bottles and pills in pushing dead yep. so if he if he made some kind of an error and he thinks like oh tom won't be able to cut around that so he would just reset himself and so that made the process cuz he's also used to shooting for uh tv so uh he he's used to moving quickly so uh Got it. yeah and then i was always in awe of just the you know the fact that i was working with Danny Glover, I never forgot, oh. you know, how lucky yeah. I was to be working with 
you know, somebody who's done so much uh, and and is is, you know, I also love that Danny's, you know, a political activist and he doesn't really you know, it's not that he doesn't care what people think, but he does what he thinks is, is right and doesn't think of how that will affect his, you know, his career, which I have great respect for that. People just, yeah, um, you know, doing what they think is right and trying to help other people re- and not thinking, like, how will this how will this look on my Twitter feed? <laughs> you know, that's sort right. Of yeah. Yeah, for sure. I yeah. mean, I've been a Danny Glover fan for, I mean, Lethal Weapon, I still love... Um, even though I know that's not his most prestigious film, but you know, it's, that's the film that I hear Danny Glover. I jump to lethal weapon and yeah, um, most people do. Yeah. Anytime I see his name attached to something though, I I'm willing to give it a go. Cause I just, I've always been impressed with him uh, no matter how small a role or how big a role he's had too. like, he can really affect the, the way a film uh, feels. And um, yeah, I was excited again when I saw he was on the cast list. That's one of the things that um, helped me decide, you know, that I'm going to go to this movie. Um, the tagline. The tagline was the initial thing for sure. Um, I was just like, wait, hold on, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, because I, I I'm a big fan of um, I like dark comedies too. Like I saw The Lobster two years ago at the Florida Film Festival, and um, so I wasn't sure if it was going to be a dark comedy. I I wouldn't say right. it is. Um, but it's you know it's dealing with a subject matter that people don't usually associate with humor obviously hence the the great tagline but um that definitely pulled me in and um you mentioned that you've mainly done shorts and this was your first feature right it was uh it was i had i shot a chunk of a feature uh you know years ago and um uh brought that to like this film market and went through this whole process with that and so i've Mm -hmm. written and worked on other ones before but this is the first one um that uh we got you know all the way (laughs) all the way through finished uh feature yeah Yeah, so uh what what would you say have been the biggest like lessons or biggest takeaways you've had from the process of making pushing dead and touring with it too uh, the the biggest difference between a short and a feature for me, specifically on uh, Pushing Dead versus my other shorts, it was so much more fun and so much easier than making a short in a way um, because I had I had so much support and and I just loved every every moment you know every moment of it even like crazy what seemed to be like terrible curveballs that came at us. Like it, it was all so, so here's a fun fact. Like whenever I make a movie, uh, regardless of whether it's a short or the feature, um, I always get my blood work done before and then I get it done afterwards. Mm. And my, my numbers are, are always remarkably higher in a good way. So my, my uh, viral load is o- always undetectable, but my T cells will always uh, jump up, uh, which is a good thing um, mm. after I make a movie. So oh. even after, yeah, being, uh, you know, even even after uh, six weeks of production and more, you know, on on both sides of that, like really uh, long days of pre-production and long days of post-production. Uh, my body responds like to making movies is kind of like medicine. So that's awesome. Uh, yeah. So that's, 
that's my way of playing the AIDS card in case there are any film financiers out there who want to <laughs> want to see me thrive. Uh, it, you need to make movies. <laughs> yeah, no, it's 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 a it's really a cool thing, especially uh, especially with uh, you know when when you're done with it and you're so physically exhausted that you think my numbers can't be good because I'm just so I'm just so tired. But it's it's fun, you know. It's a fun little thing that I a trend that uh, that I've noticed, you know, over the years. Yeah, that's that's a really cool trend. I mean, we always say, um, you know, art is healing, so it's cool to like see actual evidence of that, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You gotta, you know, you get definitely whatever it is, whether it's art or whatever it is that you're doing that mm. you love. Yeah, um, that's going to help if you have any kind of. <laughs> issues chronic health issues or whatever that stuff is is gonna help so um yeah so i'm gonna you know keep, i'm gonna keep that's that's another thing that with the with the feature is i wanted to make sure that those things that are in my normal life that i really value like uh picking up my godson from school that i was still gonna be able to do that uh mm. and 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 like do a five a five day production week and then still have some time that I could stay connected to my normal routine. Cause you know, when you're, when you make a movie, it's like you, you know, you're, there's a, there's a, there are a lot of, there, there are a lot of gaps between movies, regardless of what kind of movies you're making usually. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, so I just wanted to stay connected to the real world and mm. to life. And, uh, Man. cause you go, when you go to the Sundance labs and, and you're in that weird bubble for a mm. while and they have, they give you all these advisors and, and, you know, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson and, oh. and, and, mm. and, you know, Stanley Tucci and Sally Fields are, are all like, they're helping you with your project and, wow. and you come home to the real world after a month and it's this really jarring <laughs> kind of terrible uh you know wake up because uh, because it's such a nice uh it's such a nice thing to be there in the mountains of utah you know with a supportive group of people who are basically there for free yeah and um wow and yeah that that man just that I didn't realize list. that happens <laughs> yeah i know i'm like the list you just dropped off like is crazy um, oh yeah, it's, I mean it goes way beyond like it, it's you know it's it's a ridiculously long list of uh, incredible uh, directors who uh, I, I know we're not getting to the top five, but I will say that uh, um, Paul has one of my top five. Ooh, and then little teaser. Um, also, yeah. <laughs> if I've learned one thing from Trump, it's how to give a good <laughs> teaser. Um, and uh, and then another um, uh, guy who you know is an advisor there who wasn't, wasn't, I was hoping he'd be there. There were a few people that I, I was hoping would be there when I was there. Uh, Frank Oz was one of them. Mm. And, um, Sam Raimi, I was hoping would be oh, there. Um, uh, but, um, uh, but I had a, I, I couldn't complain. I had Paul there and, and Ted Demi was there. It's, they, they were kind of inseparable. And then I met my producer, uh, Richard Legravenace there. And, yeah, there were so cool. you know Jake Jake Gyllenhaal was 
was there and um no yeah. big deal no big deal <laughs> <laughs> yeah i man definitely we're gonna get to sundance one day john one day um for sure although we won't be doing yours i don't yeah. know if i'll be in that lucky of a of a party but i you totally know totally gonna brush elbows yes you know that's how we that's how we dream of doing <laughs> yeah <laughs> um what plans do you have for your next film or what projects do you think you'll work on next i have my follow-up uh to pushing dead is a uh, it's a musical Feature feature mm-hmm. musical about fibromyalgia. See, that's a that's a joke. See, now okay. that's a... <laughs> see, I was like, oh, so he's just gonna uh, take on the whole medical community here. I didn't really. This is, this is like one. I have that in my back pocket when I do Q and A's. I probably ah. use that one in Florida. That's um, possible. <laughs> but uh, like I like I said earlier, I was probably smashed and don't remember anything about this. <laughs> Q and A's, but I, I actually have the the real answer to that. If you want the real answer, the real answer is um, I have a, an episodic project that I wrote called ah. Tenderloin okay. about my little neighborhood here in San Francisco. It's kind of the uh, liveliest uh, neighborhood in San Francisco. It's the only little pocket of San Francisco that's kind of resisting gentrification although there are a lot of signs um that it's uh right now it's it's struggling and um it's a lot about homelessness so there are homeless uh characters that are featured Mm. in each uh episode and it centers around a few people who uh are flatmates uh living in the tenderloin and so that one okay um i i just finished that and uh just sent it out um the other day to the first oh. set of eyes so we'll see if we can i we'll see if we can get some traction on that one and then i have another one uh that is called shade sack at the moment and it's about uh a a, a lefty old cop um who's a bit of a vigilante cop uh-huh. and uh he's trying to clean up the city of uh, Fresno. And so that one is a feature length and that is a uh, smaller budget than pushing dead. My plan is to have a smaller crew and still have uh, maybe a name attached to it, um, have uh, an actor in mind. And uh, so we'll see if um, that one I'm still writing. So, okay. uh, um, but I, I'm, I'm trying to, I'm trying to write it pretty quickly because it's a super topical, uh, super topical movie. So I want to, I would love to get it into production uh, by, I'd love to get it into production this year. That That's, That'd that's awesome. sometimes tricky, but yeah. yeah. I mean, when you write, um, do you like have a pr- process? Like, do you lock yourself away or do you write like in a Starbucks? You know what, like, how do you uh, approach writing? You can guess what the first part is, right? You guys are clever. I'm guessing I, alcohol. <laughs> I drink. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> no, I, I actually don't. Okay. I, I I will the 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 booze comes at the end. See, I'm a good drinker because at <laughs> at the end my treat my treat is that I get to crack open, you know, a beer at the towards the end of the night, like Got right it. in the last. If I feel like I'm thirty minutes. 
you know, away. Like I only want to write one more page or something like that. Then I, then I can treat myself to that. But, um, but yeah, my process, I just kind of, uh, uh, I don't put too much pressure on myself and, and I write at night and Hmm. I was telling you, I've been on like a, uh, a schedule where I've been getting to sleep at about around 4am, give or take. So ah, I take man. my take my dog out for the last stroll of the of the day. Well, I guess it's the next day already, but you know, <laughs> usually at like you know three thirty or four in the morning or something, we go for a stroll and then go snooze. Right now, I can pull that off, like with my schedule it allows me to to work really late like that. But um, but typically, I'll just try to I'll try to do a certain. I'll try to lock myself away and do a certain amount, a number of pages before I'm, before I let myself off, you know, for the night. Got it. So, so that's, that's usually my process. And, and then, I, but I, but I don't, I try not to stress about it because that was the best thing about the Sundance Institute is everybody shares their process. So everybody talks about, you know, the struggles, um, that they, uh, that they have, uh, writing and, you know, one of, uh, and then the other, oh gosh, the guy's name is escaping me. This is, this is bad. I shouldn't even mention it now that I can't remember his name. <laughs> oh, he was, uh, he was the, um, president of the director's guild too. And he, he, he wrote, um, uh, dog day afternoon, which is, uh, uh, one of my favorite films. Not, not, I didn't put it in my, my top, top five, five, but, but it, uh, but you know, a really, a really terrific, film and really well-written film and what's his name frank something frank sir frank something. frank okay, pearson forget it. frank pearson yeah so there it is um, it. so anyway it's helpful it's helpful to have like people like frank or people uh like richard the gravities um you know talk about their process because then you realize oh i'm not the only one like it, it it's hmm. it's like i'm not the only one that struggles and writes only this amount in a day um, so now I, I, I teach, um, sometimes too. So, um, that's a big part of what I teach is basically oh, nice. don't, don't stress and don't, don't, you know, feel down when you don't come up with anything, you know, clever that day or, you know, but I always try to pump out at least whatever I set out to do. So whether it's two pages or three pages or something like that. And, um, and then I'll tweak it the next day. But yeah, I, I, I t- and I tend to write quickly and I tend to write like in a chunk. So I'll give myself about a month to finish the Man. feature and, and then I'll spend, you know, a certain amount of hours each day working on it. How many, uh, rewrites did Pushing Dead, if, like, if you have an exact number, do you, are you like <clears throat> one and done or do you do a lot of different drafts? It was only, it was, it was not, it was it was really, really close to the second draft. So, uh, yeah, extremely close to the second draft. So, so, uh, the, I basically removed a couple of like really wacky situations that I, 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 I tweaked it a little bit more into the real world so that, um, it's like within the boundaries of real life, but there are a couple of little fantastical moments here and there. Mm -hmm. And, um, uh originally it was a it was a little wackier than it is right now okay as i'm sorry i i think i could talk to you for hours because you have like one you're you have so many (laughs) you're you're doing so much because you're directing and writing and i like you know getting to talk to both and i 
I have a big passion for writing, um, and that's where a lot of my students have found where they really fit with film is like telling the story and, and constructing the story. And so it's, it's interesting to hear from a writer, like how you approach different things. Cause I've heard so many different, um, theories on like making yourself write. Like I, I'm going to write every day from eight to five or, you know, whether or not I accomplish anything that's, I'm going to set this time aside to work. And then I've heard people say, no, you got to let it happen when it happens. And I'm always curious to hear, uh, you know, different approaches. Yeah, and usually it, it makes sense to people who who don't write. Like, well, why don't you just do it like eight to five, you know, nine to five mm. or whatever. You know, you just write. Then you just write. <laughs> it's like, no. Yeah, it just comes out, right? Not, like... Yeah, it, it, it's not, that's not the way it works. Like, it's, it's I mean, you could do that, but you're probably not going to get anything too good. There's this, like, struggle of, like, okay, now I'll, like, now I get to watch, like, I've decided I've hit a wall and I'm going to watch, like, some... Uh, film or TV show that's in the same world uh, mm-hmm. just like to take a break and like get lost in something and then come back to it or what yeah there's this like whole process that everybody goes through and everybody's processes is different yeah it's but it is interesting when with people who haven't made movies before um, their perspective like when um, with the class uh, the class that I'm teaching the person who uh, the person who brought me in basically wasn't a filmmaker and said, well, you know, you, you know, in this two hours, like you just do like this hands-on thing and then teach them this. And this. I was like, you can't, you cannot do anything in two hours. Like you, we, <laughs> you, you just can't, you just, it's really challenging for people, especially a pretty large, pretty large class. Um, unless you have multiple instructors, but for one, for one teacher, to um, do a hands-on exercise um, in a two-hour class is 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 like super duper complicated. So um, so yeah, that's kind of part of part of it is just kind of taking the mystery the mystery out of uh, filmmaking. And I I want to like watch these master classes because I want to see what these um, other filmmakers who mm-hmm. are incredibly prolific um, like like Herzog or or yeah. I, I really want to. I really want to watch Ron Howard's. Me too. Um, just be, yeah, I really want to watch it because he seems like he's a really cool guy, <laughs> and I, those are the people that I love. Like those are the people that I love to surround myself with in life and on my on the crew, and so I imagine he's going to have some because <laughs> he's going to have some really fun, interesting things to say that I will never, you know, that I haven't thought of, and. Mm. Uh, Herzog's really interesting because uh, I uh, a friend of mine actually uh, uh, cuts his his movies, and oh. um, he uh, his he he I, in the little teaser for his master class he says something like um, uh, the um, storyboards are are for the week or <laughs> something like you know it's oh. the sign of of uh, it's. It, it's a sign of someone who lacks courage or so, something oh, like that. That sounds like, like no. her song. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no. And then the funny thing is if, if then you watch Ron Howard's and then there he is, like the first shot is him looking over his storyboards. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, storyboards are great and actually storyboards. So like, this is all part of the process. Like whatever helps you help, uh, whatever can help you tell your story and explain your story to your crew and to your cast, then that 
is what you should do. <laughs> so storyboards are a super helpful tool, but not everybody likes them. But I, I just did a sh- wrote a short film, but I didn't write a single page of script. I just storyboarded oh. it because it was it's all visual. Wow. <laughs> um, so so uh, there was no need to there was no need to write any story at all because I'm gonna I'm the guy who's gonna cut it and I'm the guy who's gonna do like uh, any voiceover for it. So just so that my crew understands like, um, you know, what we're going to shoot. I've just, mm-hmm. I just storyboarded the whole thing. So, um, but That's yeah, I, I, I find those, those, uh, those things kind of fascinating, the, the masterclass things, but I haven't seen any yet, but I, I've, yeah, I'm, I'm dying to watch a couple, but I will I'll skip Herzog's just because <laughs> <laughs> he's a, he appears to be a hater. Yeah, he's he he's hates, intimidating too. Like <laughs> he hates he clearly hates Ron Howard. Uh, with all today's Ron heart. Howard's birthday. Oh, is it? Is it? Yeah, That's it a... came up in my Facebook earlier about his forty-two directing credits. I think. Hmm. So you happy birthday, who, Ron! Uh, you know who? Uh, tomorrow it's a big director's birthday. Tomorrow. Uh, I don't. Yours. No, it's oh. mine. Yeah, it's mine. <laughs> oh, wow! <laughs> I, uh, happy, well, happy birthday. birthday. <laughs> Ron is. I just want to say, even though I look older, Ron is older than me. Not that I know him. I say that like I <laughs> like you guys. Are like I hang out with him. <laughs> well, um, man, again, like I'm trying to. I don't want to run too long, so uh, we will transition here and start getting to our top five. We're just gonna do a couple of the getting to know you movie questions, and then we'll jump into your top five. Sure, and you're gonna cut out all the stuff where I sound completely stupid, right? No, I yeah, I have yeah. not heard a single thing <laughs> so far. <laughs> okay, all right. No, um, <laughs> on, honestly, I've I I have so many questions that I want to keep like going into this world of writing, but I'm gonna focus and keep the time at a reasonable amount, um, especially because it is approaching late, you know, down here in Florida. But um, what was the first movie that you remember watching? I'm gonna say. Uh, I, there's probably, I'm going to say, I'm going to give you, I'm going to slight, I'm going to change your question slightly because I think the first, the first movie that really kind of, uh, impacted me Mm. that I can remember was, um, the old, uh, King Kong, the like 1933 or 31 or something, um, <clears throat> that was the first one that completely like freaked me out and I had nightmares and that was like where I thought like as a little child I was thinking if I could have this much control over my audience I want that you mm. know as a young but it was just it really uh it really affected me even if you watch it and it's completely ridiculous like the, <laughs> the yeah you know the stop motion stuff is like completely wacky and stuff but it it just scared the hell out of me um that one those are the those movies because i'm not a big like horror film kind of guy although i love sam raimi movies Mm. um but like as far as like uh when films are realistically bloody or they're you know that that's that sort of stuff that doesn't do it for me but like sam raimi is so like over the top top. that i love yeah i love his movies like even the ones that are you know just like uh not horror films but like quick and the dead and you Mm. know dark man and all those but um 
yeah, so I'm I'm gonna go with King Kong. Like I probably I like can think of something that I that I saw before then, but I but that's the one that really vividly stuck in my head and you know destroyed like several years of my life. <laughs> so I'm going with that. Okay, I'm gonna throw a curveball too since you you mixed up the question. Um, what's <laughs> what's a most recent watch for you like what's something you've seen recently that maybe stuck with you or stood out to you that is worth talking about um i have been seeing a lot of movies targeted towards uh like well so in theaters i've been seeing a lot of movies targeted towards younger audiences because i i go with my godson usually when i go to the big screen okay i'll go i'll take my godson to the movies so um uh, so the last uh, picture that we don't need to talk about because it's getting too much, you know, it's getting so much attention, and uh, uh, was uh, was Black Panther. So I'm I'm ex- uh, I'm very happy to see that that's like blowing up the box office and, big time. and you know, because it's it's this this is a good thing. Like Hollywood is crazy racist. Hollywood yeah. is ridiculously racist. It's so crazy. So here's a writing thing about how racist. Hollywood is if you don't put the ethnicity of your characters on the page, the reader in Hollywood will assume assume that it's white. Yeah. 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 And it drives me crazy. So we, (laughs) but we had a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful casting director who I worked with the Sundance labs. And so she knew that all of the, you know, characters were kind of open to any ethnicity uh, so there were, you know, different ethnicities on all the lists and so, and, and so anyway, mm-hmm. um, but so I, 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 I went on that little tangent just because it's so, it is so crazy. Like my experiences with, that's why I, I kind of dabble with film. Like I make, I don't like stress about getting the next project, um, off the ground and like, I'll make the next movie when it's time, you know, when it all yeah. comes together and I'm not going to stress too much because it's I'm not the type that I don't like the the I don't like the Hollywood uh, uh, this I don't like the, it was very disheartening yeah the going through the system and and seeing how people operate and just meeting with people and stuff it was very clear to me that I needed to just stay in San Francisco and make my little you know goofy AIDS movies <laughs> and and hope that you know hope that I could get somebody like Danny Glover to be a part of it or you know, that sort of thing. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, you know, so, so it's so nice to see a movie that has like prime, you know, almost an entirely black cast because, you know, at the, at, at the labs, like we had, uh, we had actors who were black and they were telling me back then, like before I had really had that experience where I was exposed to like Hollywood cause I was just making shorts. Mm. Um, but you know, I, I had actors tell me like it's it's really hard. Like even if you're really well known, if you're not if you're not a white actor, you know, it, yeah. it's like you 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 become you know. So anyway, yeah, it's, so it's such uh, a. I, I teach in an area where we are a very diverse population, and it is it's really hard um, when we do like film history in the class because it's like well, okay for the, so the first thirty or so years that we're going to look at things there's going to be predominantly nothing but white people and even right. now every movie i show you will probably be directed by a white man 
until I, you know, I purposely pull, you know, Spike Lee film or I pull, you know, um, Selma or, you know, there's so many I have to like deliberately pull in order to, and again, I have to, I'm at a high school, a public high school. So I do have some limitations on what I can show, you know, um, and it is, it's, it's disheartening. And that's one of the things I've been really, um, so many of my students have seen Black Panther and it's so encouraging because, you know, representation on screen matters. When you're watching the screen, you want to see, hey, you know, I can relate to these people. These are, this is my world. And yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy when you look at the system. I'm, I've been actually studying a lot on this issue and it's, it's, it's so crazy. It's such a crazy uh, way the system has been built and it's, you know, it's systemic and it, who knows how it's going to finally completely change other than, um, you know, movies like this. So it, it's, it sets the bar, you know, cause Kugler, I mean, three films and he just keeps, you know, raising the bar for himself each time. Cause I love Fruitvale station. Creed was yeah. amazing. And black Panther has been obviously, uh, it's, it's doing phenomenal at the box office yeah. right now. So yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it's exciting and that is what that's that's kind of what um that's what speaks to hollywood it's like oh you're making the 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 money Mm -hmm. so (laughs) so yeah so uh but um but and so that was the that was the last movie that i saw like in a theater but and i'm gonna say the other thing that i'm enjoying and this is this is absolutely not a film so again i'm completely okay. twisting your twisting your question yep. but it is it is i like um episodics that are somewhat kind of uh filmic in their mm-hmm. execution because i'm a big i love uh, my favorite films are films that have uh where effort in execution is like there on the screen not that it's distracting or anything but i like mm-hmm. the way the way Paul Thomas Anderson moves the camera and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, sometimes on an indie film, you can't move the camera very much (laughs) because you're moving, you're moving so quickly and every setup, you know, has to be simplified. Mm -hmm. Um, but one of, one of my favorite little episodics, um, uh, that I'm excited to catch up on is, uh, baskets, which I think in a way, especially with the first season, it like it, it looks like a little indie movie in a way. Yeah, I haven't seen that. That's the Zach Galifianakis uh, show, right, yeah, on yeah. FX? Yeah, I've heard great things about it. It's um, I put a lot of time into watching movies now, and so TV has fallen way behind for me. I've missed tons and tons of shows, um, and that's one that I've heard uh, really good things about, though. Yeah, you have to watch the, uh, the, the first season, especially because it does have that kind of indie film feel, and Louis Anderson is phenomenal in mm-hmm. it. He is just absolutely phenomenal. So that, so, so I, it's, it's nice to get excited about, you know, as a, it used, it used to be like film would excite me way more than TV, but now it's nice to be as excited about an episodic, um, as, as a film. And in a way, if you, I mean, it's kind of fun cause it's like a, it's like a really good, uh, first date or something you know because you're like yeah. oh my god this person's amazing and i get to do more dates you know and uh, mm-hmm. and so <laughs> so so um uh yeah so i love i love stumbling across like a good a good episodic and and just getting completely smashed and watching it. No, I'm just <laughs> <laughs> I, by the time we're done i just want 
your audience to like, want to want to get me help. They oh, want to no. reach out. There's like some giant intervention of these nerdy podcast <laughs> listeners. We just all show up at one of your, your screenings. <laughs> oh, no. Yeah. Yeah, there's no movie, there's no screen, and that should be my clue, that it's like a space with no screen. Oh, no. Confused. And those chairs are in a circle. <laughs> yeah. Oh, That's man. Like... We'll make that, that sounds like a movie, we should make that happen. Yeah, there we go, we'll yeah. just film it. What movie yeah. has surprised you the most? What movie what? has surprised me the most? Um, I'm gonna say, uh, yeah, these were, see, now it's coming back to me. You gave me some clue to some of these questions a long time mm-hmm. ago now. Um, uh, movie that surprised me the most. I'm going to say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hold off on answering that until I can give you my top five. Cause it's okay. Included in oh, well, that's perfect. Oh. That's yeah. a good segue because now it is about that time. Um, before we get into Tom's top five, and he's going to give us his all-time top five from number five to number one. Corey, we're going to do a little spoiler warning. So, Corey? Guys, go to BerkReviews.com and check out Tom's list. If you don't mind spoilers, full steam ahead. Yeah, we just we like to give you room to talk about the movie however you want. So if you want to say something that could be spoiler, spoiler, literally, um, right. go, go for it. You know? <laughs> but, okay. Um, so, Tom, what is your number five all-time top five movie? Um, okay, so we're going, we're going five to one. Correct. Correct. I just want to make sure I understand the rules. Yeah. I want to win. There's a prize, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, um, it's called an intervention. And uh, <laughs> all right. And you um, live in San Francisco? I'm kidding. Yes. And so uh, I'm gonna say my number five because I think this is a fluid for people who love movies. You know, it's kind of a fluid list, and like even from from uh, you know kind of day to day, but. I, the way I determined my top five when I knew I would have to come up with this was I looked at like those movies that I, if my power goes out, mm-hmm. um, uh, or my let's say my my internet goes out and I have to resort to uh, you know play go in old fashioned and playing a a Blu-ray or a okay. DVD. Um, I that's where I started because I was like there are like certain that. movies that I will will pop on. Um, and I can watch them over and over again. Yep. And, uh, and so, uh, anyway, so my, I'm going with in num- the number five spot. I'm going for, uh, V for Vendetta. Ah, very nice. I have love you, that movie. Have you, have you gotten that one before? Has anybody given you that one? I don't think for their top five. Um, but it is okay. a film that I'm definitely familiar with. Yeah. And so, you know, that the reason, so the reason I, the reason I love that movie is, um, uh, well, one, I actually saw that movie at a venue uh, where we'll be screening. So if anybody in the Bay Area is listening to this podcast, they can go see it where I saw View for Vendetta the first time at the New Parkway Theater, which uh-huh. is like a super cool um, theater uh, uh, that uh, people, people should check out because it's like a very uh, unconventional uh, venue. But I just re- remember... Uh, being kind of blown away by the execution so like the the uh you know the fight scenes and everything they were so well orchestrated Mm because nothing frustrates me more than like if you there's so much activity that you can't tell who is let's say throwing the punch or 
<laughs> landing the kick. Yeah. Um, but V for Vendetta is so well crafted that all of the uh, all of the fight scenes, all of the action sequences, are a little bit like uh, fireworks. That you know, mm. literally there are you know they even literally there are many fireworks in the movie. There but, are, yeah. <laughs> but as <laughs> as the movie goes on, it does kind of build like all of the scenes kind of build. I just love the way it was handled with with you know such kind of it looked like it was very easy for them to craft something that was really beautifully executed yeah and i love the poetic the poetic feel of it and it appealed to the you know little young anarchist in in me i was thinking that was going to play a part too yeah yeah (laughs) yeah (laughs) i mean and hugo weaving um just tremendous in that movie so and natalie portman too obviously but she, I feel like she's getting a lot of praise. So Hugo Weaving, I think, gets overlooked a lot of times because of the roles he usually takes. But in right. V for Vendetta, he gets to really shine. Yeah. So that's so that's uh, you know that's that's just a great that's a good example of what what I uh, really ap- appreciate about movies is just you know when the the craft that that goes into it and the performances and you know. And I, I'm not the guy who appreciates the raw, like indie movie that that um, uh, I don't even know how to how to exactly explain it. But like the slice of life movie where ah. the where the the camera, you know, the it, it's just that it takes a lot more story to engage me in in something like that. So uh, I'm gonna should I go for number four now? I yeah, man, let's go. Look, I, I, I might have to look at my list to see which one I, which one I draft in the four position. I think that I uh, number four is uh, Jesus's son. Oh man, I got to see that at the film festival last year. Oh really? Oh yeah, because uh, oh, Billy Crudup uh, was there. Yeah, he and, sat uh, next to me, or like two seats away from me during the screening, and I was freaking out like the whole time. Like I'm like, oh my god, oh my god, Billy Crudup sitting right there, but. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, he did I, a Q and A. I um I was gonna go to that screening, but this is this is completely true. Um, I decided to go for beers. <laughs> so, <laughs> backing up my story. Um, but yeah, I was I was supposed to. I forget somebody somebody from the film festival, um, uh, invited me invited me to drink so, some real wonderful person because that's the cool thing about film festivals is you get to meet the people who run them and sometimes mm-hmm. they they become your your friends and so I um, I opted to miss one of my favorite movies um, and I wanted to see Billy um, I wanted to see Billy uh, speak as well because yeah. uh, uh, originally like way back when pushing dead was uh was uh starting to get some traction just after sundance mary louise parker was actually the first person that was attached to the robin weigert part and oh wow billy and robin i mean billy and mary louise um were an item you probably know yeah and have a have a child um and so uh anyway i was curious because he knew about pushing dead i was i at one point had kind of hoped to encourage him to go to the screening, but um, we never did that. But yeah, I love, I love Jesus is son because, well, there's one that here's a movie that I think uh, movies like good movies are kind of just like people. 
So like mm-hmm. if you got if you guys were movies, you know, it was the Corey movie and the Jonathan movie. I would love you as movies because you're you sound like really interesting people. You're really nice <laughs> to talk to. You know, so well, that's what what movies to me are. So like yeah. if I if I in, enjoy like it doesn't have to be. You know, I don't know. I don't know if I'm if uh, my explanation makes sense or not. But to me, that's what um, Jesus' son is. It's like a. It's kind of like this flawed. I mean, literally a flawed like protagonist. Mm-hmm. And it's Big so time. fragmented, like the story's so fragmented, like like real life, or like when I tell a story, typically I leave out chunks of it, and, <laughs> and I and I'll always for, remember the next day, like oh I forgot the funniest part, you know. But yeah. that's what Je- Jesus' son. It it has like this rhythm to it that's very um, almost like awkward and like real mm-hmm. life and. Billy Crudup's amazing in it. He really oh, and... gosh. Yeah. I want to hop in. I didn't realize this movie was made in 1999. And also, I love Michael Shannon. And he's yeah. probably in it for three seconds. He is. He's a very small part, but he's great when he's in it. <sighs> oh, he's As per tremendous. usual. <laughs> he's terrific. And he was there at the labs with me, by the way. Oh, um, man. Yeah. Oh, that I'm he, I don't want to, like, I shouldn't put these things out with. He just kept trying to make out with me. And I was like, Michael, I don't. <laughs> I don't like you like that. <laughs> um, no, that's a lie. That's yeah, a lie. he <laughs> was, just went with it and owned it. He was. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't own anything. Okay. I don't want, <laughs> okay. I don't want any trouble. Yeah. Okay, yeah. I don't want any trouble. Um, oh God, we're all about trouble. But, <laughs> but uh, he was. He. So here's here's the thing. Is he as intense and brooding as I imagine? No, he's like just normal nice guy. Like he's really nice, and he he. But he's he's so talented that the thing about the labs is you shoot on video, and it usually doesn't look great. And you you run around, you shoot your scene, you cut it together the next day. They give you an editor, they give you a crew, and then you screen it for everybody. And you do have to screen it for all of these people that I've named, you know. So oh, it's man. a little terrifying because yeah. you're screening like bad video, and so. The video, when you shoot on bad video, it's actually, like, really great. Like, that's um, a a fantastic way to rehearse a scene is to shoot it because then it's, like, shooting on bad video, it's, like, that bad video look is like a a microscope and you can see what's wrong with your scene better than you can if you shoot it on, like, a red. You know, Mm. you, you can all of a sudden see all of your flaws, whether they're you know, whether it's the writing or whether it's the acting or whatever it is. So, but here's the thing about Michael Shannon is he was like, you would watch the like bad video of him and you're like, Oh my God, like this is, he's so good. (laughs) Um, He's just so outstanding. He's such a a phenomenal actor that uh, my friend, Michael, Michael Burke, who's a a writer, director. um, He and I were both, uh, you know, we just were both in awe of, of his talent. Uh, and so, uh, but yeah, he, he's unbelievable in Jesus son. Uh, mm-hmm. if there's, there's one, there's one moment, it's very, um, it's very poetic. It's very kind of unconventional in, in its execu- execution, um, where he's sitting at a piano, but Corey, you're going to like that. You're going to like that yeah. little moment. 
Yeah, it's definitely a movie to watch. There's some really great stuff. And Jack Black, when he shows oh, up, was phenomenal. He's great. Yeah. He really is. That's Jack Black at his at his best. Agreed. I think. Like in in a movie that is is again a movie kind of in a way like Pushing Dead where it's within the boundaries of reality, but there are moments that like you know pop outside. Uh, yeah. And and I love Jack Black in in stuff like that, dramatic stuff, because you know those people are real. Like people like. <laughs> people like his characters are like very real you know those those people who are on and you know he he felt like he was in the worst the, the worst is like if you see you know an actor and they they are they they feel like they're in the they're not in the right movie they feel mm-hmm. like they're in a completely different movie and that's the director's fault you know for not helping them understand the the world that they're in which is like yeah. the biggest the role of the director, like the biggest part of it, I think is helping everybody understand like the world that they're in. And so Jack Black to me is like, he's just a standout in that movie as he's in that world, but he's so like funny and ridiculous. And I just, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge uh, fan of fan of his. Mm. Agreed for sure. Um, Well, I think we should move into your number three. All right, I might have to. I might have to go to my list here. Go for it. That's let's, not a problem. Let's see what it is. Review the paper. I should. I should start drinking now because we're we're getting we're close to wrapping up. We're at up. that point. Yeah, <laughs> um, you get to crack one open. <laughs> um. So okay. So I yeah. So I I I had put in the number four spot. I I jumped ahead on Jesus' son, but I had put something that I know has been mentioned before on um on your podcast um, by a guest filmmaker, and that's Little Shop of Horrors. Ah, yes. Ah. Yeah. Hold on. All right. Ah, there it is. <laughs> um, so uh, uh, Little Shop, I love Frank Oz. That was one of the reasons I was hoping that he was, you know, going to be at the labs when I was there. And um, Little Shop is another one where it's just – you know, I I love that show. I saw that show when it was when it was off Broadway, and and I you know love the cast, and I was a huge 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 Steve Martin fan mm-hmm. uh, growing up, and I uh, so that was a perfect uh, a perfect mix of a show that I loved and beautiful execution. Like, I mean, he had I don't know how they had so much money. And they had so much time to shoot that movie. I was so jealous when I read how much time they had to, to shoot that movie. It was something crazy. Um, huh. but, but it's a it's a fun movie to watch. I mean, it has all like the bells and whistles of like these wacky camera moves and stuff. But mm-hmm. it's completely called for in a movie like that, where it's you know, it's it's now we're not on the stage. Like we can actually do this on like this like grand like kind of. Uh, cinematic scale where uh, you know it's still a small like the characters still feel like very intimate but there are these like wacky crane moves and and I love those how they you know the the, the show the three singing uh, women in the background they were great in the show but in film like you can you can 
it's it's so much easier to kind of like exaggerate their presence like with the use of film so anyway so that's mm-hmm. that's that's one of my favorites that i will go back and watch you know um pretty frequently just for for the fun of it yeah I, that, i've been meaning to rewatch that one since i think chris had that on his list and um yeah, I saw it when I was a kid, and I have not gone back to it, and I, I definitely need to. Corey, I love your little whispering. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like Omarosa on, um, on whatever, Big Big Brother or whatever. What, what's the, what Low-key creepy? <laughs> what? I'm kidding. Thank you. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> whispering in the background, afraid to... Yes. <laughs> I don't want to talk over everyone. So, as you said, Tom, your your list is a little more fluid, I think, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm gonna put Little Shop at thir- at number three, but obviously these are all interchangeable given oh, what yeah, time yeah, of day. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. I'm fine. I'm fine sw- swapping that out. There you go. Um, are you ready for number two? Yes. <laughs> okay, good. Um, my number two is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's. <gasps> Punch Drunk Love. Ah, oh, I've seen this one time ago. And there is the movie that I would say surprised me the most, and I'll tell ah. you why. Because um, Paul Thomas Anderson is that kind of uh, exciting, you know, filmmaker that you know it's going to be a different experience each. Each yeah. movie has its own thing, and he his the one thing that he does that always returns is he's like he's really good at moving the camera around and yeah. and 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 things like that. But but in Punch Drunk Love, to me that felt like somebody's first film, and in a in a really good way. Sometimes there yeah. are filmmakers who their first film there are less hands on the movie. And so oh, okay. it's a it's a more unique uh, voice than their second movie or their third movie, with or all the studio they, notes and all that. Yeah, with all those hands on it, all the producers and yeah, the studio and and uh, Harvey Weinstein. I mean, we're talking about hands on. <laughs> I had to just throw in Harvey Weinstein there. Yeah, <laughs> uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna. <laughs> He's had his hands on way too many things. So. Um, so uh, at at <laughs> at one point, actually, there. Um, no, I wouldn't even. I'm the, I'm gonna edit myself here. Okay. And so, <laughs> um, so for that reason, I was uh, I was really excited by that movie, and the mo- the more I watched that movie, the more I loved that movie, because of its uh, really interesting, uh, you know, tempo and like just how unpredictable everything from the score to the way that it was shot to the like hit Paul's fascination with like the lens flares in it mm-hmm. everything everything about it I just loved more and more I kind of stopped watching it at some point because I was like at some point it's gonna go the other direction you know you can't like ah. beat it beat it to death but but I I've, I'm sure that I've seen it uh, probably you know 10 times. And and it always I always enjoyed the next screening even more. Hmm. So kind of I guess again like it's almost like the 
the analogy, the like the friend analogy thing that I was talking about earlier, where it's like you get to hang out with the friend again the, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I Paul Thomas Anderson's movies are among uh, my gap list where I, I've missed a lot of them. This is one I've missed, um, but it is on my must. I'm actually I'm thinking like April is our uh, Paul Thomas Anderson month for our our movie club podcast. And I think mm-hmm. I will be binging as many of his films as I can um, to try to like knock out his whole filmography because the more I hear about his movies, the more I'm like, how did I not watch these in the first place? Like, I don't know what made me skip the, his films as they came out. Like, I've seen There Will Be Blood. I have saw Phantom Thread. Um, and I saw right. Boogie Nights when I was far too young to watch Boogie Nights. <laughs> and um, thanks to HBO and, uh, you know, my own television. But, um, you know, I, I need to go back. And this is – I've seen – most of Sandler's other films up until I think Grown Ups 2 and I was finally like I'm done but um although the Meyerowitz stories is really great uh that and he's really great in the Meyerowitz stories um the new Noah Baumbach film on Netflix but uh, okay cool I'm gonna I'm gonna tune into that because I because I've uh I've heard people say that before um you know say something like uh, I was at a film festival once and somebody said something like uh somebody who was a distributor said something about that they they don't watch adam sandler movies and i said well what about uh punch drunk love and they're like oh, okay well there's that there's that and i was mm. like okay so you would so you would because adam sandler is a he made the choice to do movies that were kind of you know a specific type of movie yeah and he's he's aware but man is he incredibly enjoyable and kind of it's kind of like jack black also you know mm-hmm. you put him you put him in the middle of this kind of weird uh indie movie that is kind of real but like uh also just a little surreal and he's you know he's so much fun to watch he's he it's it's you know and he's not he's he's not wacky or anything he's just really enjoyable to watch i saw him perform i have all of these like little stories that are everything that you're saying like triggers this other story so yeah sorry to go off track here but but i saw sandler once perform at this tiny little bar in um back when i was living in new haven uh and uh and he was so good i mean i think we're the same age i think he's he's my i think we're both around 50 and Mm -hmm. um he was so he was so good that my friend who I was with, uh, who was a stand-up comic, said that kid, you know, is gonna be <laughs> that kid's gonna oh. be something. And it was <laughs> you could you could tell he was so talented and just so like it was such an awkward setting. Um, yeah. And then the uh, the other thing that got triggered there was I felt the need to say that when when I came out of the labs with uh, Pushing Dead that my one of my producers was actually Paul Thomas Anderson's uh, producer who did Boogie Nights and did Hard oh. Eight. And um, so I came out, you know, like super excited that I had, you know, Paul Thomas Anderson's producer because I was a big fan of his. Yeah. Um, we ended up making it with uh, with different producers, but um, that was that was but my still. excitement out of the labs. Yeah. Yeah, that's amazing again that man that lab uh, could do a whole episode just talking about that because it's the the stuff you, you seem to have gotten to do from that and meet people and whatnot is just man what an experience you know like 
Yeah, it, it's 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 unfortunate that it's uh, it's such this like super exclusive thing. I mean, uh, you know, Sundance only takes a few people. You know, they take eight people a year for that. Oh thing. wow! So it's it's pretty darn cool. I wish there were, you know, I wish there was yeah. more of it. I wish it was available to more people. Man, but. Man, so to, to I guess not segue, but to stumble blindly into your number one movie, um, I am very intrigued because your list is interesting. It's we're we're all over the place with time. We got two thousand five, ninety nine, eighty six, two thousand two. So where are we going with number one, Tom? My number one, Jonathan and Corey. Are you ready for this? Hold on. Yeah. I don't take, know. <laughs> let me take let me take another drink. Hold on. Okay. <clears throat> Okay, <laughs> my number one pick is Babe. That's right. Yes, the, Babe, wow. the movie about the pig. <laughs> <laughs> that my sister would watch on VHS and not even rewind all the way, and she'd start it again, that one. That's the one. <laughs> the talking I... pig. <laughs> yeah, it's and you can, like, it's a phenomenal movie, and it is... It has all of those things that I love so much. It has like this, uh, has a wonderful storyline. And from a guy who's been a vegetarian since he was uh, mm. 13, I immediately saw that this thing was crafted by vegetarians. I don't, I've never confirmed that, but I'm assuming. Okay. And um, it has all of these beautiful little segues. You ha- has, has, uh, um, uh, you know that that uh, the, that execution that I love. You know, very controlled, kind of well executed camera moves and just kind of stunning huh. uh, cinematography and and uh, just I just love that movie. I love it. That's I mean <laughs> I, I like hearing stuff like that though. That's not a pick I was expecting following a Paul Thomas Anderson movie, mind you. <laughs> Yeah, and let me point it out. Let me remind, just in case Paul's listening. Yes, Babe Beats on my <laughs> list. Babe Beats, <laughs> Punch Drunk Love. <laughs> um, yeah, it 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 um it is. We do a little. I do a little uh, filmmaker get together at a fr- uh, friend of mine has a bar here bar here in San Francisco, and I mm-hmm. I just every every month I just ask people to show up and enable me, um, and. <laughs> So, uh, and then I show, I show things, uh, you know, on the background that I think are like visually, visually interesting. And that's one of the movies that you don't, you know, that plays really well on a wall without sound, you know, it's just like, it's kind of like, uh, you know, other great movies that I love, like Pan's Labyrinth. I mean, I love Guillermo Uh del Toro and that's another movie that obviously you could play that without sound and it's just beautiful and it would be terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> I was looking up Babe and Hugo Weaving does the voice of Rex. So that's yep. twice. I was going to point that out too. We got Hugo list. Weaving on bookending your list 5 and 1. There you go. I planned it that way. Per- <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> no coincidences here. I've um, watched this since I was a kid. Yeah. Well, it's, folks, it's, it's worth revisiting. Yeah, I I don't I've never seen Babe. Um, it was you know I don't know exactly why I skipped it. 
uh, I don't mind talking animals. I do have a problem with movies about horses. I don't know why. But <laughs> oh God, Sea Biscuits! I can't watch Sea Biscuit. But um, that is our top five for uh, this episode. Are there any movies that were really close that you want to mention? Uh, not uh, not close enough. But I was prepared to Ooh. answer a question that you never threw at me, and I feel the need. Okay. To I feel the need to tell you it was the like what movie have you seen more than any other movie? Ah, yes. And that movie was is um, Blues Brothers, the original Blues Brothers movie. Oh, okay. And I think I saw that. I I remember I had like a tally going because I was young when that movie came out, and um, I think I saw it about two hundred times. Holy mm. heck! Man. Yeah, because I I owned the I bought the VHS for that. I was a huge, uh, I was a huge fan of Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, mm-hmm. but more so Dan Aykroyd and uh, my friend um, who I, uh, my best friend in high school was uh, the blues traveler guy John Popper, um, the the lead really? singer of blues blues traveler and um, really, yeah, and so he uh, we had like kind of this strange like as he was becoming famous, like all of a sudden my world worlds were like the, my, the world that I would escape to like TV and stuff like Uh started to, to merge with, you know, this, this, my real world. And so like that all of a sudden John was on Letterman and I was a huge Letterman fan. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was having lunch with Aykroyd at, like this, the the other Blues Brothers, <laughs> the other Blues Brothers movie that they made because uh, John was a part of that, and so you know, oh man, yeah, it was it, it was just kind of weird. John was actually really helpful. Uh, it was really helpful to have a friend to see a friend succeed in the business, and, and that was really helpful for me to take to take the mystery out of the business a little bit. And, you know, see people who were celebrities like in the green room at Letterman. And, you know, when I was a when I was a teenager and to be there and and see, uh, you know, actors who were like really insecure, who were famous and Mm -hmm. talking, you know, before they went on, like being insecure and stuff like that was really helpful for me. So uh, uh, and John did the narration for a short uh, short that I made uh, a while ago. He's he's. Uh, shoot one of the funniest, one of the funniest people I, I've ever met. Man, um, I I was a big fan of the Hook and Run Around. Like those songs uh-huh. were on just... repeat a lot for me. <laughs> <laughs> it was just in the episode of Roseanne I watched. Ah. Oh yeah, yeah, that was one of his like first big like acting gigs. Man, that's it's yeah, awesome. that's crazy. Um, yeah, that was what the story I was not expecting to get from this, and that's. You know, um, I I literally owned like their first two albums on CD and like was constantly telling people, "Hey, listen to this band! Like they're really cool." And not everyone agreed with me, but I I liked them. And so, <laughs> it's the harmonica. It's I I think that's part of it. My dad played harmonica in his band, and so I always have like I love Tom Petty. You know, big oh, big so... fan of uh, harmonica in in music. It doesn't doesn't get used enough. So well, yeah, John John will back me up on this. Um should you uh, be able to like get in touch with him somehow? Uh, uh, I, I taught John Popper harmonica. Thank you what? very much, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> okay. So this, uh, the, this, this, 
The story really is is that he was playing the chromatic harmonica and I was playing the blues harp. And so I had learned Dan Aykroyd's part from one of the Blues Brothers songs. And then Popper was playing the chromatic. And I was like, oh, you, sh- you need to try the blues harp. And I played it for him a little bit. And then he started playing it because he doesn't have a problem with germs. And so uh, <laughs> <laughs> he just grabbed it and, and started playing. And so he was... Uh, he says that I do have permission to say that I taught him harmonica, but he was <laughs> within about three minutes. He was like way better than I ever was. Um, wow. But yeah, we, we would play Jake and Elwood, you know, at like in high school, we were the guys who would, oh, like, man. in ho- uh, Halloween, we'd, we'd walk down the hallway as Jake and Elwood with, with the green onions oh. theme playing in the, in my briefcase as uh, Elwood. <laughs> and, um, but yeah, cosplaying before it was cool (laughs) yeah yeah so um so yeah just a fun that just a little tidbit uh that that remains i will probably never break the record of seeing a movie more than i saw blues brothers it would be hard um for sure like i have some of those movies from back in my childhood wayne's world was one that i watched way too many times like it would hit the end of the tape and i would rewind it and play it again and i've owned it in every format because I don't know, something about Mike Myers and Dana Carvey in wigs just cracks me up. I don't know. But, um, Tom, thank you so much for coming on the show. Oh, my pleasure. My pleasure. It was so nice talking to you. Yeah, same yeah, here. It's or been a blast. Um, if people want to follow you on social media, where do they go? Um, I think, let's see, what am I on Twitter? I, well, definitely Pushing Dead Film on Twitter. And I don't know what it is on Facebook, but you'll find us. Oh, yeah, okay. Dog. Oh, there he is. Time to go out. <laughs> uh, but yeah, please, uh, please do follow us because it's pretty sad right now the amount of followers that we have. Um, well, so uh, I would ask all your listeners to join yeah. us on Facebook and Twitter. Yep, and look forward to uh, getting to see Pushing Dead if it's not coming to a theater near you in April on VOD. That is correct. Well, I hope t- I hope everybody enjoys it. I, I think they will. Um, I, I will, again, once it's out, I will be uh, promoting it as much as possible because I thought it was excellent, and I think everyone needs to see it. And I think it's a really great vehicle for James Roday, who um, has a big following, like you said, from Psych, but I haven't seen him in too many uh, feature films, and I, th- I thought he was great in the lead role in this movie, so... Yeah, I think he's like uh, super likable. You know, really easy to spend. Uh, you know, a feature film with just he's a, he's a he's a nice guy to hang out with, and that comes through on on this on screen. Oh, I agree completely. Very very naturalistic. Um, just seems like uh, it seems like someone you know, like a, a good friend who you're getting to hang out with for an hour and a half or two hours. So. Yeah. So thank you, thank you so much, and Jonathan. We need to get we need to Skype with your uh, with the class you teach. Definitely. I I want to literally email you uh, tomorrow about that. So look for that. All right. All right. Great. Tom, thank you again for coming on. Um, Listeners, we'll be back in another week. And uh, thank you. Bye. All right. Thanks, you guys. Hey, everyone. It's John Burke. You know how much I love movies. And if you're listening to this podcast, there's a good chance you love movies, too. And what we do here at Burke Reviews costs a little bit of money. It doesn't cost a fortune or anything, but none of us are rich. And that's where you come in. You can support BurkeReviews.com 
by either subscribing to our Patreon, where you can give a set amount to us monthly, a dollar, three dollars, five dollars, and ten dollars, and we're not asking you to just give us your money. You get perks for uh, signing up on our Patreon. You can go over to patreon.com slash Reviews and see exactly what those perks are. You can go to burkreviews.com and click on the Patreon link and it'll take you right there. Um, but if you're not willing to commit to a monthly donation, which we totally understand, there's an option to just donate one time. Uh, if you go to burkreviews.com on the right side of the page, you're going to see a donate button. And through PayPal, you can donate us any amount of money you wish um, for doing that. We will read your name on our uh, the next episode of the podcast, whether it's Burke Reviews Movie Club or Top 5 Movies after the donation is made um, with uh, our truthful, heartfelt thanks. Um, not to mention that one of the the perks of being a subscriber is you get um, your name on our website as a uh, supporter of BurkeReviews.com. Um, it's hard to believe it's already been two, in, two years and we're into year three already. Um, you know, we love what we do and we hope you love it too. So... Thanks for listening. Um, Thanks for the support. And back to this podcast.